Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and on each episode of this podcast, I'll be having inspiring conversations with passionate product people. If you want to listen to some excellent chats with some of the brightest and best in and around product management and product marketing, why not head over to onenightinproduct.com and have a look around, sign up to the mailing list, or subscribe on the podcast app of your choice. Unlike Clubhouse, it's all recorded, so you can come back later or share it with your friends. On tonight's episode, we go deep on product-led growth. Why is it so important to consider product-led growth or any product? Can any company go product-led? What does it mean for traditional marketing? Are the sales team going to have to stop having money fights and drinking champagne for breakfast? For answers to all these questions and much more, please join us on One Night in Product. So, my guest tonight is Wes Bush. Wes is a keen marathon runner, skydiver and entrepreneur, founder of Product-Led and author of the 2019 book Product-Led Growth. Wes described himself as a challenger and he's here tonight to challenge you to think differently and to challenge salespeople around the world to get new jobs and let the products sell themselves. Wes is also proudly Product-Led Growth certified, although since that's his own company, I hope he at least had the decency to sign it with his other hand. Hi, Wes. (laughs) How are you tonight? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me here. No problem. Have you got that certification on your wall somewhere proud? Or <laughs> no, I don't. I don't even. I have my degree somewhere in the closet there. And that shows you I don't really place a huge emphasis on certificates. <laughs> to me, I really obsess about the real world experience that you get from any training. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. So first things first, your company Product Led. Just for the record, who are Product Led and what problem do you solve? Yeah, absolutely. So the whole company product led is focused on just training people to learn how can you build a product that can truly sell itself. And so a lot of people when they hear that they think like, oh, does that mean like you don't have any salespeople? I mean, in some <laughs> cases it can, but uh, in most it's looking more like a hybrid mix. So yeah, that's that's really in a nutshell what the business does. We have like podcast summit and a bunch of other things that support people. That's all free stuff to dig deeper into what product-led growth is. And do you actually consult them with clients specifically, or is it mainly the content that you're working on? Right now, it's definitely the the training. We just found we had done consulting in the past, but you can have a lot bigger impact if you kind of tightly define like what is the main challenges and problem sets that you can help people with. Okay, fair enough. And you started that firm, I think, back in 2016? Yeah, you got it. Give or take. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got my researchers. Uh, how big's the team grown there? Is it just you still, or have you got a bunch of people working with you on that stuff? So right now it's about five full-time people, and we do have a bunch of other contractors. But yeah, it's it's going pretty quickly, which is fun. Oh, that's cool. And looking at your LinkedIn, though, it does seem to be that this is your first job that you have listed. Now there are allusions in the book to other jobs you might have had, so <laughs> I wondered if you're just being a bit secretive there. But I presume it's not literally your first job. No, is is not my first job. I did put it because like, uh, I really look at LinkedIn page as it's a landing page at the end of the day. And it's like, what do you really want someone to do? Do you want them to like peruse around? Or do you want them to take action and find enough interest that they either go to your company or they message you because they're interested about something? So I really just simplified it. And I'm a big simplifier. <laughs> so that's why it's <laughs> like that. <laughs> Okay, so people can't come and stalk you and find all the old companies you work for and, and stuff like that. Totally. But what was your background then before you started uh, Product-Led? Was there was it a bunch of 
SaaS companies? Did you work in any big companies at any point? Mix of SaaS, B2B, B2C? How did that journey go? It really started with like B2B SaaS companies. That was my bread and butter. Loved it. I was really starting off in demand generation, just remarketing for these companies. That was my foray into SaaS. And at that time, it was the companies I was working at uh, were all primarily sales-led. And so I was like put in charge. If anyone doesn't know who's listening, what demand gen is, it's basically trying to find like super high quality leads for your sales team. And so it's, it's a marketing job. And so that was my task. And we were doing it through the means of like having a ton of campaigns, getting people to really sign up for our white papers, webinars and all that stuff. And then eventually, once they're on our list, our main goal was how could we get these people to either sign up for a demo or kind of push them further down the funnel. And so that's what I, I kind of got exposed to early on. And I just felt like, you know what? Uh, there's there's a better way to sell the product because by the time they got to the demo, it's like, okay, now they get a call with the sales development representative. And then beyond that, if they're qualified, then they get lucky enough to talk to the account executive. And if that works, then it's like eventually they can buy your product and then they can go into the product <laughs> and sometimes be incredibly scared <laughs> because they've laid down like maybe even six figures plus to, to buy this product and solve the problem. And they realize, oh my goodness, the user experience sucks, but they're stuck with that product. <laughs> and so I always felt like in my own experience, I looked at the products I was using and a lot of them were all product-led before that was even called product-led. And I, I just looked at the similarities. I'm like, well, the products I use are usually the ones I can use very quickly. I see the value. And if I like it, then I pay. It just felt like a more natural customer journey. And I, I wasn't wrong. A lot more people liked it that way than the old sales-led path. And so at the, the last company I worked at called Vidyard, we launched this freemium product. Uh, it was still very much so a sales-led company, but they launched this freemium product as kind of a test in this direction. And it got tons and tons of users very quickly. And that was like the light bulb moment for me where I realized like, oh my goodness, the product, I've been wrong the whole time. It's not just something we sell. It is how we serve people and how we can really communicate our value and deliver our value before the paywall. And so that's kind of what got me into it before this whole thing was even called product-led. So yeah, it's a little bit of a background story. And that marketing background must have been very helpful, though, when you decided that it was time to go out and do your own thing, right? Because obviously now you're having to market your own self and market your own ideas. Did you find the background that you had there very useful or did you have to train yourself up again in a different way of marketing and, and getting people's attention? Yeah. So like it was useful in some cases, like obviously if you're going to start a business, knowing a bit about marketing is helpful. No denying that one bit. But when I was doing consulting, so that's initially what I did right after uh, Vidyard is I was doing consulting for the demand gen stuff for these B2B SaaS companies. And what I kept realizing is this whole problem with these users who are signing up for the products. I was getting that part done right. But then it was just, hey, wait, they're not using the products. Like something, something's not going on here. I, I started asking them the analytics. Most of them didn't know. And then I started digging into that once we did get that. And I realized, oh my goodness, there's like 40 to 60% of users will sign up for this product and never once come back to it after that first time. So I was like, oh my goodness, this is a huge problem. And so 
what I started doing with the one skill set that really came in handy was just conversion rate optimization. Like from a marketer's perspective, I just apply that same reasoning to that onboarding experience and started thinking, you know what, like you got a million things going on in that dashboard. Why don't we simplify? Like what does someone actually have to do? And so uh, back to that simplifying, that's, that's what I'm good at. <laughs> so I started simplifying <laughs> that whole onboarding experience to really look at that. And so like, I wasn't really in the product kind of backgrounds or anything like that. I looked at it for more of the, how could someone start using this product and get more value very quickly from the marketer's perspective? So yeah, that's how I kind of fell into it. That was one of the skill sets that I didn't think would be helpful, but if you know a bit about conversion rate optimization and just putting yourself in the user's shoes, that goes a long way for a product. But how much, I mean, going back to that experience you had at the B2B company with its big, long, drawn-out sales process, and then you finally get in and the experience is really lacking, for want of a better word, probably much worse words you could use on that as well. Totally. But how much pressure does then the concept of product-led growth and getting people in early put on some of these products that maybe never had any kind of UX love or any kind of design love. And basically, they just threw everything on the screen, didn't really do any of that work, because by the time you got in there, you'd already paid sort of thing. Does that present a barrier to some companies, do you think, in even trying? Yeah, no, it totally does. Because like, if you have placed absolutely zero emphasis on your user experience and everything like that, you're gonna, if you just open up, you go from like demo request to like, hey, now we have a free trial, sign up for your seven day free trial on the website. <laughs> like it sounds good. And it's I like people who move quick. But at the same time, you might actually be doing yourself a bit of a disservice because people are going to be looking at that product and be like, oh, like, that's your product. Thank goodness <laughs> I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> There's this one saying, uh, I love it. It's from the chief operating officer at Mendasta. She is just like a powerhouse of a woman has led this transition from sales led to product led at this company. I always like ask her these questions about like organizational change and all that stuff. Like, how did you go through it? And one of the things she always says is like, it's okay if your baby's ugly at the beginning. Like it's it's natural. <laughs> your your baby's gonna be a bit ugly. And you gotta accept that, but also know that like you also have to invest in improving that experience. But I think part of the reason why that issue pops up, and I'm glad you mentioned it, is because when you're sales-led, a lot of these sales-led companies move up market. And moving up market, there's nothing wrong with it. But as the deal sizes get bigger and bigger, and you start getting into those million-plus deal sizes, usually it comes with a couple conditions. And those couple conditions usually end up being new projects for the product team. So then you just rack up this technical debt. And after a while, you're just left with this product that's like really hard to use. And it's easy to get there as you kind of go on this like whale hunting expedition as you are sales led. Yeah, it's the whole Swiss army knife not really being any good at any of the particular things that it has in it, but it just has them all in. So it's all been thrown together. Totally. And what made you decide then after obviously spending a couple of years doing the consulting, setting up your own thing that now's the time to write a book about it? I think when I, I look back at like why the book has actually been really successful in this space, I think a big piece of it is just I came at it from a beginner's perspective. And I didn't have like these years and years and years, tons of experience in products. I was looking at this from more so a perspective of, hey, I've used this product to grow these businesses and get some pretty crazy results. And so how could I dissect that and really 
kind of break it down easier for myself to understand so that I can teach my clients faster and they could get those wins. And so how it really started and why I wanted to write that book is it actually started with a course before, like the folks at CXL kind of approached me. They're like, hey, like, you know a lot about product-led growth. Can you start off with this? And it was kind of like the first rookie mistake of like making a course I made, which was like, okay, you have this big topic, product-led growth. Let's create one course that just dissects the whole thing. I I initially (laughs) thought of like, hey, that's that sounds like it's doable. And then as I started going into it, I was like, oh, whoa, like there's there's so much more here than what I initially thought. Because initially I was like, wait a minute, like this is your free trial, your freemium model, you got your onboarding experience, and boom, you're product led. You're you're helping your users experience the value of your product. Yes, you need to get that part right. There's no denying that. But I started looking at Oh, wait, like your pricing model, for instance, if you give everything away for free, like, great, you're going to have this like kick-ass freemium model, but then you're making no revenue. So you got to find like the lever of how you're going to charge, how you align that with your customer acquisition model as you build that out. And so there was so many pieces of that journey that I still was discovering as I was going through this with clients. And so I basically decided, hey, I need to dive deeper into this. This is truly fascinating to me. And I want to go deeper. And so I had a few clients where I was like, hey, I literally like pasted their photo at the beginning of this book. And I'm like, I'm writing it for you. (laughs) I just like kind of broke down the whole thing. Like, what does this person need to know to make this transition? And so, yeah, it was was super helpful for myself. But it it also has been helpful for others, too. I'm happy to hear that part. Yeah, I was going to say how the feedback has been. I mean, obviously, it's been around for a couple of years now. So I guess you've had plenty of chance to have feedback and reviews and stuff like that. I've certainly seen some reviews myself, read it myself, obviously loved it. But how's the general feedback been? And have you had any kind of really eye-catching reviews that have made you sort of sit there and say, oh, yeah, yeah that's the one? So I don't know if like, there's a specific review that like sticks out. But there's definitely like full teams of like 200, 300 plus people. They bought the book for everyone. (laughs) And like that to me was just like, wait, like this is initially I just wrote it for the founder and like growing that business of like 50 employees or something like that. That was kind of the, the ideal person I was writing it for. But when you start seeing like people use it in that way of just informing, like here's the product that mine, so let's go for that and seeing where people take it, I think yeah. That part to me is just like awesome. I, I get excited for those companies as they they dive deeper into being product led. And do you think it gives you a slight edge as well? I know there's at least one other big product led book that came out within the last year by let's let's say anonymously because we don't want to give any publicity, but by the <laughs> that's okay <laughs> founder of a well known SaaS analytics company, which was obviously a good book in, and as of its own right, but it was also very focused on the things that that SaaS company could do for you to help with that it wasn't explicitly saying to do that or as a sales pitch but it was kind of plastered with screenshots of that tool yeah i don't know if you know the book i'm talking about but i do (laughs) do do you think it gives you an edge that you've come at it from a kind of platform agnostic direction you're not selling a, a specific tool do you think that helps i think it definitely helps from the training perspective because if you're looking at a book written by like a software vendor like it it can be still super helpful but I think there's that inherent bias of like, you have the limiting belief, like, hey, here's how we solve a problem. Here's how you should probably solve it. Whereas a consultant comes at it from a very different perspective of, hey, like, 
there's a problem, your solution could be like 10 different ways. Yeah. And I think just that way of thinking through it helps people realize that there's never going to be a one size fits all approach to these things. But yeah, at the end of the day, I'm just happy more people are learning about it, even if there is other people running about product led growth. Because when I, I started getting into this uh, topic really deeply, it kind of opened my eyes. I'm like, wait, there's like product led marketing, there's product led sales, there's even like there was just a book that launched today, like product led SEO. And like, there's a lot of different ways you can apply this product led methodology to your business. And so if it was just me, that'd be a little concerning. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you probably should have taken out a trademark though, if all the stuff's coming out now. Ah, it's okay. I'm not going to fight him for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you ever had any salespeople that maybe aren't into this kind of writing to you and complaining or leaving bad reviews or do they just not read it and leave you alone? No, haven't had uh, like salespeople reach out and be like, hey, like you're awful, Wes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you doing? But I have had conversations with salespeople who were a bit concerned about, you know, like, hey, like the subtitle of your book is literally how to build a product that sells itself. <laughs> and so I was like, I spent, you have no idea. I literally spent like a month trying to figure out that subtitle. I knew like it was going to be called product like growth, but the subtitle, that part was like achingly hard to do. <laughs> and I wanted to stand behind it. And so for that part, yeah, it's like your product should be able to sell itself. Does that mean it does every little piece of the sale, like going and sending the contract to the person? No, but it should be enough where you're able to experience the value of the product that you've really sold yourself. I'm like, hey, I understand this product. I like this product. I'm okay paying for this product. It should check those boxes. And so, yes, I think for salespeople, the, the big concern is like, hey, what do I do differently? I think a lot of them need to understand that part because it's not so much like we get rid of sales. No, it's just they're going to have a lot more valuable conversations once you start looking at that product data and realizing that, you know what, that person is just testing it out. Probably doesn't make sense to reach out to them. But that person who's like actively used it has really expanded their product usage and they're adding a lot more users. Hey, you should probably reach out to them because you know what, they're, they're going to get to that like limits within the product soon. And it's nice to just have an open conversation, like how you could help them more, as well as if they would like to upgrade, how that might look like for upgrading their team. So it's like, it's a win win for a lot of sales teams. And I think once they start realizing that they get to focus on the bigger deals, the more exciting deals, the ones where they can actually add value, they love it. And they go from like, the people resisting it initially, to the people who are like, just, just get me more product leads, please. Like, <laughs> I, I want that stuff. Don't, don't give me those MQLs anymore. Like, just give me the PQLs. I love that. Okay, but that gives a second dynamic to that then with regards to MQLs. Like, do you have any marketing people coming up to you and going, well, hey, I'm not a product marketer. I'm more of a traditionalist or whatnot. And this is changing how I have to do my work. And I'm not 100% comfortable with that. Have you had any of that kind of feedback or... Uh, again, uh, uh, is it kind of like marketers are like, well, actually, this is fantastic because it enables me to focus my efforts. There is definitely going to be like the resistant marketer who just does 100% like brand stuff and like, let's get billboards. Uh, <laughs> but like in SaaS space, honestly, that's like really not common because if you're in the SaaS space, you really have to evolve quickly if you're going to be at the cutting edge of whatever you're doing. And so 
most marketers do uh, move at least somewhat closer to what I mentioned with like that product qualified lead uh, metric. Sometimes they decide like, okay, let's keep what we have for the marketing qualified leads and then like really have some sort of quality metric as far as how many of those turn into a product qualified lead. So there's a million ways you could slice and dice it. But I think at the end of the day, what it really does is it just holds marketing teams more accountable. For instance, if you're sponsoring this big event, which is hard to do now, <laughs> uh, you could still do these virtual events. <laughs> but if you get like this lead list, for instance, and it's like just because you sponsored like the party night or something at this uh, event, it's like, well, you know what? Only like one of them became a product qualified lead. There's no way we can justify that six figure investment again. And so it just like brings a whole nother level of accountability, uh, which I think is much needed uh, to make better decisions faster. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I think it is interesting to think not just of, of marketing people that are maybe coming from an older world of pre-digital stuff, but also just companies that have come from pre-digital stuff as well. And they're, they're trying to bring themselves into a product led in any sense of the word, yeah, be it building a SaaS platform on top of their own legacy stuff or building a SaaS organization on top of consulting and stuff like that just feels like a bit of a journey. But but do you think that there are any particular barriers that certain companies could have that are just insurmountable? Or do you think that anyone can become product-led if they just focus their efforts in the right area? Yeah, I definitely am of the belief that anyone could become product-led. But it's also, I have this particular framework that I, I try and get people to think about where there are certain scenarios where it might not be the best fit right now for you. So one of them I'll share is, let's say you're in a blue ocean. It's completely new on contested market space. Your sales team is actually super valuable because they're talking to the customers or potential customers and educating them on, hey, like here's the current way you're doing things. Here's the new way um, that we think you should be approaching it. Where is the gap? Like, why, why don't you see that this is a problem? Because we clearly see this as a problem, but you might not see that it's a problem yet. So there's a big education gap. And I think whenever that exists, there's really good breeding grounds for sales that company initially. But if it's super easy to understand, even if it's in an uncontested market space, yeah, you can still go product led. But there is some of those spaces where it's like, it's so new, it's so revolutionary, it's like AI before anyone knew what AI was. <laughs> and then they're like, Oh, like, there's a big learning curve. That's really one of the areas where I think eventually it will become a red ocean. But initially, you should start off with just finding out what works. And if that is sales led growth for the first bit, that's fine. Just know you will probably have to transition to be more product led in the long term. And how do you know it's time to transition? I mean, is it down to, for example, tracking metrics and understanding where you're at and, and having that in your mind from the start? Or are there other kinds of indicators that you would look for? For example, if you were talking to a company and say, okay, Blue Ocean Company, you've, you've let your salespeople have their fun. It's time to at least attempt to switch tracks to some degree. How do you know when it's time to do that? So one of the, the easiest ways is just kind of tracking your competitors. So how many competitors are targeting that same customer that you're targeting? If you realize like you're just the one and only, I doubt that's going to be the, the case for a long time. Uh, if you're really in a frothy kind of market, there's just no way that's going to happen in today's day and age where it's so easy to start businesses. Someone's going to realize and whether they want to challenge you directly or not, uh, they're going to go after that same space. So Tracking competitors is one way that I would say like, hey, if you realize you start having like 10 or even 30 competitors, 
that are going after that same customer. One of the things you have to get worried about in that situation is, let's say one of them decides to go fully product-led. So they really are honing in on their product experience. They, by the nature of being product-led, they're really building one of the most powerful customer acquisition models in that particular space. Now, would you rather have the competitor have that advantage over you or would you want it to be yourself? And so it really just comes down to, well, okay, long-term, yes, we, we want that advantage, but sometimes it is harder to retool your team the bigger you get. So I think initially, like start early, sales-led if you're in that new space. But once you start getting some of that good traction and you realize that there's more competitors, try and make that decision sooner than later because it's going to be way easier to make that transition. Now, another interesting thing that I was thinking about given that I've worked in and around enterprise B2B for a while, is that obviously there's a bunch of companies that aren't ready themselves or they don't think they're ready themselves because maybe they don't have the right skill sets or they've not had the right book or whatever. But there's also a bunch of companies that these people are selling to that maybe themselves want to be sold to and aren't themselves right. Like, for example, if I'm a big multinational enterprise company, am I really going to go and set up a free trial with a global ERP system or something like that, and then buy it on the credit card for the entire organization and charge it back. Like, is it in your opinion true that some companies, or rather to flip that round, is it true in your opinion that all companies can be sold to in a product-led fashion? Or do you think there are certain types of company that would always have, for example, a procurement process that they're never going to step away from? Yeah. And I'm so happy you mentioned that too, because it goes back to like, yeah, there is going to be some of those cases. I think earlier too, before we start recording, like you were mentioning, like the bank sector, like it's very, there, there's not too many banks, at least in, I know for North America, but I'm sure in a lot of other countries, it's, it's definitely heavily government regulated. <laughs> and that means there's less competition by nature of that. So yes, if you're in some of those kind of laggard industries, that is going to be one of the things to think about is if you're targeting it, will it always work like that? If they have to like, you know, sign up for that credit card right away to start accessing the value of the product, you're going to hit some roadblocks. And one of the, I forget exactly the company I was talking to, they were facing something similar just like this. And they have this problem, it's an intranet. And to set up the intranet for some of these bigger companies, it's a lot of work. And there's a lot of requirements. They're not just going to like a Fortune 500 company is not just going to like, okay, guys, here we go. Boom. Like we're on this internet. We're good to go. <laughs> and all your files are now like potentially out to someone else is system. And there's no encryption. There's a lot of security that they have to jump hoops around. And so one of the things they thought about is like, well, let's not get them to really like deploy it. Let's just get them to go into the product, see everything they can about it to make a better decision. So they didn't have to pay for that. They can reach out very easily within the product experience to raise a hand and let people know on the, the team, yes, this person's interested. They'd like to talk to us a bit more. But the majority of the education is done by themselves. They can see it, they can believe it, uh, and they can really explore as much as they can and they can even deploy it in a different place that is much safer than their main company hub. So I think there's, whenever I hear one of those cases where it's like, we can't do it because like these people just don't buy this way. I always think like, no, these are the same people that download Messenger and use it easily. They're the same people that use Uber and like they like the experience of how easy it is. 
they're not different people. They're the same person. <laughs> and they want that easy experience. So yeah, that's, that's how I think about that. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was just thinking, obviously, in part, there's the whole pressure then to actually make your product something that people can actually log into in the first place and just get some kind of value out. And it also brings to mind the fact that, again, if we go back to some of those organizations that aren't users selling like this, they've potentially got the always putting email addresses or forms for email addresses in front of anything, because the most important thing for them is to get that email address on file so they can start selling to them. Whereas I know that in product-led terms, there's a lot of talk around, well, just let them in. You know, they'll, they'll give you their email address if they're ready. Is that something that you think is a mindset shift that maybe some people haven't made yet? Totally. And I think that barrier is changing all the time. Like before it used to be okay, like, okay, like I'll sign up for my credit card and then I can try out this product for free. And then a lot of people got pissed off because it's like, <laughs> I got charged for this thing. I, I, I logged in once and I didn't use it and I forgot. And they didn't send me one of those like expired reminder emails or something like that. And it just leaves you with that negative taste in your mouth where like, yeah, the business has every like maybe a best intention to make it easy to cancel this stuff. But often it's not. It's not even thought of. So there's that. And then I think like the next barrier to your point is like, maybe that's email. Like, can we get people into this product, seeing what it's all about and really experience the value of it without an email? Now, I think like if there's ever like data that you're uploading or something like that, you definitely actually, it could go the other way where it's like, I do want more security. So I know someone can't just like log into my account. My account actually has a password. So <laughs> not everyone using this uh, you know, email, if they ever wanted to hack me, could find this stuff. There is certain reasons why I think there's good friction and bad friction, but it really depends on your product. Like there is, I think like Duolingo or something like that makes it easy. Like you can start learning a language without ever creating an account. I think there's some use cases like that where it's powerful. It gets you in, it gets you engaged. And if you want to continue, it's like, great, like we'll send you reminders. And there's a good reason why you ask for that data. So you, they can keep you more accountable every day reminding you like, you haven't done this yet. Do you want to actually learn Spanish or not? <laughs> saying, like they would like send you an email like that, but it's, it's fun. It's cheeky. <laughs> but you've uh, worked with a bunch of companies now and you've obviously been speaking to a lot of people around product-led growth and some of the approaches they can take. And I'm sure you can't give away too many secret details, but are there any success stories that you're aware of that really make you happy and like you kind of sit there and go, yeah, no, they, they did a good job. And, and that was real validation of the whole idea. There's a tons of pick from, but one of the ones I really thought was like fantastic what they were able to do. They're in Brazil. They are kind of like the hub spot of Brazil. They recently just got acquired for a couple of billion, which is awesome. And they were at about 700 employees whenever they started thinking through this transition of how to go from sales led to, to product led. And at that scale, there's a lot of moving parts. You got to really think about, you know, how do we, you know, roll out this initiative without sacrificing or killing the cash cow products. And so there's a lot more thinking that goes into it. And so what I really liked about how they approached it is they just started with this, this smaller product, got it up to speed. It was like a simplified uh, version of their main 
cash cow product. And then they started building some initial momentum. And every time they had a problem, so one of them, for instance, was they started generating these product qualified leads with this free product. And they just took their their best sales rep at that time. And they said, hey, we're, we're going to send you a bunch of like of these product qualified leads. We have no process whatsoever for this. Like just figure out like how to, to close some of these uh, product qualified leads into sales. And so they just approach these problems like really simply. And they've been able to make like a huge progress in this direction. And I think since they had such a big sales team, what was cool is how you can think about retooling your existing sales team. Because for instance, if you're our sales side right now, you probably have a lot of people focused on like bigger enterprise accounts. So great, like keep them doing that. They're generating a lot of value for the business. But one area you probably want to introduce is more like a low touch sales team. And so this is going to be the team that's really focused on maybe the smaller accounts. They're still decent size, but they're nowhere near like the the Fortune 500s of the world. And so they can have a lot more of these people to, to look after and help them really get value out of that account. And so just thinking through that whole low touch uh, area is really fascinating. And then you could definitely have just a completely touchless experience as well. So I think there's like the blends of product led. That to me is what is really successful in some of the biggest, fastest growing product led companies. There is like that initial self-serve for smaller accounts if they can't identify who you are with some third-party enrichment tool. And then there's like the low touch barrier, which is like mid-size accounts. And then they do have more of a sales that approach at the ends with the bigger enterprise accounts. So yeah, that's a little bit about that. And uh, obviously, all companies and products are different. And I'm sure there's not a one size fits all approach. But if there's one thing that you would recommend any company do today, to take one step towards becoming more product led, what would that step be? Well, besides reading the book, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> of course, I should read the book. I mean, you know, I'm assuming that they'll all be going straight to the website after this to have a look at that. But no, okay, so the first step, I'm going to steal this one. So this is another fascinating company that made the transition. This is from Mario, who is or was leading the uh, R&D for OutSystems. And so one of the, the interesting things they did when they first made this transition that I think more people need to replicate is instead of just looking at like, okay, product-led growth, the new thing, like we need to do this and like getting everyone jazzed up, like, yes, we're going to be product-led. Start thinking about like, what are the first principles of your business that you really want to tackle? Now, regardless if it's product-led or not, what are those? If you think of Amazon, one of the things they've done an amazing job at, which I love, by the way, it delights me every single time, is I get my packages really soon. And <laughs> it's just one of the things that they've identified as a first principle is people will always want their stuff faster. And so everything, one of the big things they do, they got distribution centers everywhere. They're making them closer towards your home so they can execute on that first principle faster. And start thinking about in your particular business, what are those first principles? For instance, what might or maybe should even be, we want people to use our product and get value fast. So if that's one of your first principles, then you can start coming up with ways that you can actually accomplish that. That might be having a better onboarding experience. Even if you still are completely sales-led, people have to jump on demos to, to use your product. Think about from the minute they sign that contract, how could you shave off a ton of time from them 
from that first sign-on experience to really executing and getting value from your products. How can you trim that down? And so that's where I would start. Identify those first principles and then start taking action on how you can deliver on those and try not to get too many first principles since I've seen that too, uh, but just trying <laughs> to keep it super simple. Cool. And what's next for you then on the uh, the Wesbush show? Is there more work to do on maybe another book or are you concentrating on just doubling down on what you've done so far? No, there is another book coming. Good question. Wow. <laughs> Exclusive. Exclusive. Yes. <laughs> so this book is coming out end of May. So May 25th. And it's all about the onboarding side of building a product-led business because really look at it. If you don't understand how to get your users to experience the value of your product, it's almost game over for a product-led business because it's like, well, people are just turning out. They're never coming back. Why? And often it's like, well, <laughs> they didn't have a good reason to come back other than like your barrage of emails to try and like get them <laughs> to come back. And like, we all know uh, that that doesn't work as well as it used to. So yes, that's what it's all about. If you want to, to check it out, it's productled.com forward slash Eureka. Oh, there you go. And where can people catch up with you then? You've obviously got your website, but are there any other places they can reach out to you for any advice or to connect on anything product or product-led related? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on uh, both Twitter and LinkedIn. It's uh, Wes underscore Bush. So feel free to reach out with any questions. I will ensure to appropriately link it and uh, hopefully you'll get some interesting questions. Awesome. Well, that's been a fantastic chat and tour through some of the principles of product-led growth. Uh, hopefully we can stay in touch. But yeah, as for now, thanks for taking the time. No worries. Thanks for having me, Jason. Thanks for listening. I hope you found the episode insightful that has inspired you to investigate how you could be more product-led. If you enjoyed it, I'd love it if you could share with your friends on social media. Go to the website, onenightinproduct.com, sign up for updates or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you can never miss another episode again. I'll be back soon with another inspiring guest, but as for now, thanks and good night. <laughs>